0: welcome to the 12th episode of the primal show everybody we have me your co-host michael mcknight joined by my other co-host Derek Lytle. hey guys <laughs> hey guys <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us i apologize i didn't make it last week uh as Derek probably mentioned or didn't mention i haven't listened to the episode yet if i'm being frankly being frank with you <laughs> oh i mentioned uh, it you're a critical part of okay. the show
1: you're about 50 percent of it <laughs> About fifty percent. <laughs>
0: yeah, last week I had a long drive home from the desert to the snowy tundra of Utah and I just didn't have time to make it to the episode. So thank you for taking that without me, Derek. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course it was fun uh, to talk to Peter. He missed out.
0: Yeah, we'll have to get him on again because I, I do want to talk to him. I haven't talked to him in such a long time.
1: But Maybe uh you can do a, a live stream during Kokodonna or something when you're hundred and fifty miles deep
0: is he racing it
1: um no i don't think so but we can come interview you me and peter we'll we'll, uh rolls for a minute
0: (laughs) just walk around with our microphones and you you yeah everything on (laughs) yeah (laughs) nice well uh thank you for joining us this week this episode is going to be our once a month q a episode versus just uh, spending 30 minutes on every episode and going through questions and answers. We decided just to make one episode a month out of it. And before we dive into that, we'll start out by doing what we usually do. Well, I guess we haven't done it for a while. Talking about, our we talking about nutritional things that we might've done differently uh, since we've had some guests on lately, but let's do that this time, Derek, would you like to share a little bit about your week in terms of training in terms of nutrition?
1: Yeah. Um, so training's fine. Like I'm running um, a trail marathon next week. So just kind of getting ready for that. So kind of tapering back a little bit and just kind of, I don't know, a little bit of cross training, which I, I really enjoy. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway from the past couple of weeks is just prioritizing protein over carbohydrates, um, whether it's fruit or whatever, because I actually drove up to my parents' house right after you were um, in the desert. I drove up there for something else and then I just came back home. But it was just so much easier to eat a lot of fruit on the drive versus protein and like it was fun and fine at first but then after a couple of days i kind of realized like okay like i need to be eating more protein and fat and not just a bunch of a fruit because like i enjoy the fruit and enjoy the honey and everything but it's like it's not as satiating and then i noticed a difference in my performance and especially recovery um where things just didn't feel as good not that they didn't not that they felt terrible by any means But I just really emphasize the fact that like, okay, like protein and fat are the most important and you really need to fill in around the edges with carbohydrates coming from fruit or honey or raw dairy.
0: Yeah, that's something I've been focusing on with the people I coach a lot lately. Uh, Like, because every week I have them check in with me on how they're feeling. And whenever they talk about like, oh, I just felt extremely tired, like this past week more than I usually do. And my first question is usually, well, how's your nutrition been? And one person in particular, and I know he listens to this podcast, so I wonder if he knows that it's him that I'm talking about, (laughs) but uh, we found out, I think, well, if I remember right, he was getting about 80 to 90 grams of protein a day uh, is what we established. And he was feeling tired a lot. And so we've been focusing on upping that to about 150 to 160 grams a day. And his check-in yesterday with me, you know, he said he's feeling great. He's feeling better than ever. He's feeling strong and that was just, to me, a confirmation of the importance of protein as an endurance athlete and prioritizing that protein. So I definitely agree with that statement.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, it's just a little harder when you're, say, you're at work or whatever, and it's like, you can't just cook a steak. You can't have this, it's like, okay, what am I going to eat? And it's like, you got to either prepare beforehand or bring some, like, maybe suboptimal um food ideas as far as protein and fat sources. And so it's like, oh, well, like, I can eat fruit, so I'll just default to that. And then by the end of the day, it's like, well, I had, I don't know, four or 500 grams of carbohydrates from fruit and zero protein, (laughs) zero fat. And like, it kind of gets old, honestly, but I understand why that would happen with people if you're, um, say you're busy all day doing something or you have limited options.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's why I love raw milk too. Like I know I've been on a big raw milk kick lately, but I get busy and yeah, it's hard to eat protein and eat satiating when you're in a hurry and when you're busy. And like, I'll usually just fill up my my mountain op shaker bottle, just chuck full of raw milk. Sometimes I'll add in some unflavored collagen to get a little bit of extra protein and it might not be a ton of calories. Well, I mean, two to three cups of raw whole milk. Like, I guess that's a good amount of fat and calories, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there there are a lot of ways to actually get that protein and fat in while you're on the go, which we've talked about in the past episode anyway. Yeah,
1: No, I've, I definitely defaulted a lot to dairy too. Like when I'm driving, cause like I have a Dometic fridge in my truck, so it's like okay if I'm driving, but I can't stop to like cook something or I didn't prepare properly. It's like okay, I'll I'll drink milk as best I can. Obviously, I didn't do that efficiently this last week because they don't raw milk is illegal in Nevada essentially, uh, and so it was kind of a pain. Like I and everywhere was sold out when I left here, so I had like a half a gallon of raw milk to last me like five or six days. I was like, this isn't gonna work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you gotta plan beforehand, man. You should have went shopping before your trip.
1: <laughs> I know. You want to hear a funny story about raw milk and how pissed I was after my log run this last weekend? Yeah, let's hear it. So um so I'm running this uh, trail marathon the Black Canyon Trail. And so on my way home from my parents' house up in Nevada, um, I I stopped at Black Canyon just because it's on the way and it just made sense to run the route of the, the race next week versus just coming home and then running something that's not the exact route. And I was, I like the Black Canyon Trail whatever. And so I did the table mesa or Black Canyon City to Table Mesa and back. So it was ended up being like a 25 mile run and it was my last long run whatever and it was warm it wasn't like arizona hot like usual but it was like in the i think 60s like high 60s so it was warm and sunny and when i got done i was like oh man i want raw milk so bad because i've been out for a few days and so i drove down to the sprouts the closest one just down in north phoenix and there was a couple like like an older woman and i don't want to sound like rude or anything but she's like looking through all the milks and like looking for a specific one and she had some lady helping her so she was like slightly disabled and okay i'm glad she's making like good choices and whatever So I'm just waiting for them to like do their thing, get the milk that they want. And I think she wanted like coconut milk or something ridiculous. But I'm just like waiting, waiting, waiting. And so I'm just looking at some like random objects to kind of kill some time. And the second they walk away, this kid swoops in and he grabs a raw kefir and then he reaches to the very far back of the dairy case and pulls out the last raw milk and uh, i was and i was so tired and hungry i'm just like i just want raw milk right now and this kid just took it, <laughs> it was like right in front of me it was like a movie or something and i was like ah oh. like I'm, I'm glad this kid's drinking like real like real food but i'm also like i i wanted that <laughs> i've been yeah. waiting for five minutes <laughs> how much is raw milk uh, sprouts it's freaking expensive it's 7.99 for a half gallon
0: is that so is that what he ended up taking it was a half gallon
1: yeah i took a half gallon of raw milk and then uh like a quart or whatever of kefir of the raw kefir that they sell also. And dude. uh, Yeah.
0: I'm like so addicted to raw milk. If that happened to me, I would have been like, dude, I'll give you fifteen bucks for that raw milk.
1: (laughs) I should have done that like tap on the shoulder, like, hey dude, um I know you haven't bought that yet, but I'll give you ten bucks for it. (laughs) Yeah. Which would end up what being 18 bucks for you to buy
0: some half half gallon of raw milk. (laughs) Which is freaking
1: ridiculous. That's so expensive, but it almost would have been worth it.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's how much I pay for a gallon
1: here. I know when I'm in Southern Utah, it's like the same thing. I think it's like nine bucks or something, which is just whatever. But Sprouts is the only place you can get it here in Arizona, so it's kind of like a monopoly. And I don't know why, like Whole Foods and these other places don't sell it because Sprouts can do it. Like, why can't natural grocers or Safeway or something? Like, I don't understand.
0: Well, I'm sure they can. Isn't it just a matter of jumping through all the loopholes that the government has set up to be able to sell raw milk?
1: Probably. I should actually. I'm gonna make a note to look into that because I'm curious, and it'd be. Interesting to like go to Whole Foods or these other places and ask them to get it. And then if they say they can't, like explain to them how they can get it. So, yeah, I'm gonna make a note about that because it would be nice to have it in more places. Because when we're so stuck, it just sprouts. It's like, well, if they're out, there's nowhere else to get it, or they just charge as much as they want, essentially.
0: Yeah, that's
1: ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, because I know in like in Nevada, uh, for example, like it's not technically illegal like i think the state has to set up like some raw milk advisory board and they've never set up a raw milk advisory board so you have to get approved by that board that doesn't exist so like by default raw milk is illegal because there's no one there to approve it like it's so dumb but you can buy as much alcohol and hookers and and drugs as you want but you just can't get raw milk because it's so dangerous
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's just like freaking canada like they've partially legalized cocaine up there. I don't know the exact metrics, but it's like you can possess like a certain amount of cocaine legally. But yeah, all through Canada, raw milk is illegal. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, Yeah, like what is with this (laughs) vendetta against raw milk? Like you can buy hard drugs, even if they're just decriminalized or whatever, but you can't buy raw milk, like something that people have drank for thousands (laughs) of years. And so insane.
0: And then the dumb raw milk containers have to have a stupid warning on it that says like raw milk, no matter how carefully... Produced and how carefully, like, clean. Like, it's just like this big label about, like, no matter how carefully prepared raw milk is, like, it's still unsafe to drink. Yet, yeah. Foods with like food colorings and all this other junk in it, they don't have to put that stupid label on it. It's so yeah. dumb.
1: Yeah. Go buy a bag of like, or go buy a box of peeps for uh Easter or something. It's like there's no <laughs> like warning label on that. And those are terrible for your health. They're not even food. And yet, this right. raw food is like, oh, it's dangerous like give me a break yeah I, I could rant about this all day this is like a triggering too. subject for me <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> but on a more positive note um I, I sent you a photo of it but i made some of these rice bananas uh waffles i didn't explain it well I made rice banana waffles so the base of the the waffles is is rice and banana and eggs essentially and some honey and stuff and um they're freaking good man like i had them for my long run and i felt good and they sat really well and like they're just like fairly normal foods like low fiber um minus the fiber from the banana but they're like delicious like i cooked them up in the waffle iron and then the morning of while i was driving back here to arizona i just fried them up in a pan with some butter and man they were super good nice so,
0: it looked good i definitely saw the picture <laughs> yeah it took
1: a few uh few steps to make them properly like i i learned a couple things doing it but um because some of the first batches were just like all over the place it's like a mush pile <laughs> but, like once i figured out how to make them crispy it's like oh dude it's, like, they're good
0: you're turning into a walter white
1: (laughs) uh as a chemist over here (laughs) yeah
0: you're an artist mr white
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) nice i suck at cooking
0: though oh we got to fix that
1: yeah maybe we will let's get a traeger and call it good
0: yeah that's the easiest way to cook (laughs) well cool um I mean, my week, the biggest thing that I learned from this past week was just the importance of like, listening to your body to avoid burnout. Uh, This winter is the roughest winter that we have had. And I can't remember how long, like we got like two to three feet last week. We got like a foot and a half in the past 24 hours. (laughs) Like we're getting so much snow right now. And it's just so like, you know, I don't want to sound like a sissy or whatever but like it just gets so old like running on slushy snowy roads like avoiding cars because they don't know how to drive without snow like, and then you factor in the snow and they're even worse at driving and then just like slipping being inefficient like exerting all your energy to maintain which is what is a super easy pace in the summer like it's just it gets so old and tiring so like last week uh, I got back from the desert. I ran once on the treadmill. I lasted like six miles. Like, I, I tell you, one way to like go from the highest moment of your life to the lowest moment of your life is to like run eighty miles in the desert with your shirt off, getting a sunburn, then coming back to like fifteen degrees and having to run on the treadmill. <laughs> I got on that treadmill and I was like, oh, I'll be lucky to last forty-five minutes on this thing. Like I. Anyway, so last week I finally, I think it was Thursday, I ended up texting Jeff Browning, who still coaches me. And I was like, hey, like, I know we're in a building phase right now for coca but I'm taking the next four days off from running. I'm gonna go backcountry skiing, like I'm done with this. And it was like it was really refreshing. Like that was the first time in years that I like consciously made the decision to not run without like tapering or recovering or coming back from an injury or whatever. Like I was healthy, I was fine. And I chose not to run for a few days and it was great. I felt great. Um, I'm probably going to do that again today though. Like (laughs) We got dumped on last night. So I'm probably going to go skiing again when we're done with this, but I just learned the importance of like adapting and not just constantly like we, I'm sure you've heard the phrase like rest days are for pussies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like oh, I that, like, like it's a, a Goggins pretty, quote or something. Yeah, it's a Goggins quote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like to an extent, I might I, I don't agree with that. I don't think you're a pussy if you take a rest day. <laughs> but I, I, like I do I do I am starting to believe in the concept of no days off. Um, and for me that just kind of looks like you know 20 minutes of strength training versus just completely taking the day off kind of a thing. And so I do believe that there is a lot of value in just being physically active, even if it doesn't fully involve running and that that is going to help your running performance more than you realize. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned this past week.
1: I agree with that. I think part of that is like, like, as far as not taking days off, this is kind of like keeping in that same schedule and the repetition and keeping your body used to doing that. And then once you take a couple of days off, it's like, oh, I got to restart. And it's almost like starting at zero again. Just as far yeah. as, like, the mental outlook and stuff. And obviously your body is going to adapt and you'll be fine. But I think just always being active or having some sort of, like, physical activity every day is super important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I what's like interesting. So not to, like, take away too much from what you're saying, but um, so I interviewed Allie McLaughlin. Um, do you know who she is? She's, like, a kind of a short-distance trail runner. Um, mm-hmm. She won Tarwara 50K. She's won, like, Broken Arrow and stuff. So she's fast. She does a lot of the Golden Trail series stuff. Um, we we're talking about her volume and she's only running 40 mile weeks right now and doesn't really do long runs and she only runs every other day. So she's running like three to four days a week with low volume, but like at intensity though. So she's running like, say, sub seven minute pace on all of her runs, but she's not doing a lot of volume, which I thought was just really interesting. interesting. And she's, yeah. I mean, she'll go to the gym afterwards, but she takes like full on rest days in between each run, basically, which is really interesting, huh. like that strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw
0: that you posted that
1: a couple of days ago. I'll have to go listen to that one. Yeah, it was interesting. Cool. I feel like her training is just like so different than everything that I've done and been told. Because like when she ran Tarawara, she says this in the interview, but she took a gel the entire time during the 50K. And she doesn't do like any really? sort of like special diet or anything. She just ran it. She's like, I felt good. Didn't feel like it needed anything and took a gel. Like one Martin gel, I think the entire time. Which is and she's not, my...
0: Does she not do like a low carb thing in her day to day?
1: No, we talked about it. She just kind of eats everything and doesn't really cut anything out she tries to eat like just like normal i guess and she does fine so it's really interesting like i'd be interested to look at her um like body chemistry i guess it'd be really fascinating
0: yeah that's cool i'll have to listen to that one i'm a fan of her now (laughs) not not saying i wasn't not saying i wasn't a fan of her i just don't know if i necessarily know who she is
1: (laughs) yeah no she's cool like she um definitely has like a fun outlook on life and and running and stuff she just loves to run But she's getting more into ultras and stuff. And she did bonk pretty heavy at OCC, like she says in the interview, but like at Broken Arrow and like on these other events, she doesn't really take much. And I think it's interesting because like short distance trail running, like if you're going two hours, she's like, you don't really need water or any calories. Like you should be fine, which I thought was interesting.
0: I like that. Hopefully, yeah. too many nutritionists don't hear her say that, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Or maybe they lot. should hear her. Maybe they'll, they'll take her more seriously than me and you.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe like she's crushing all this fast stuff. So and on no calories, which is interesting, or minimal yeah, calories, anyways.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um. In terms of nutrition for me, uh, I'll just be really quick with this. But you know, Derek and I have been talking a little bit about making some special fueling, like a little bit more real food-based because I think we talked about it with Michelle where I'm in this weird situation where I love eating just meat, fruit, eggs, and dairy, but then I'm trying to figure out how to train my gut for my races and stuff. And so I finally was just like, well, let's just see if I can like make my own fruit-based, real food-based fueling system. Uh, I bought like a bunch of those empty, like applesauce packets Uh, they're probably double the size though. They're pretty big, but anyway, I bought a bunch of those. They're reusable. So I'm just going to experiment a lot with, uh, different fueling strategies for myself. So hopefully I won't have to train my gut for gels and all that other stuff that I don't necessarily care for. But my first experiment was a good one. It tasted great. Like, I was just like, Oh, this is so good. Like it almost quenched my thirst and gave me some carbs. Like it was just, it was awesome.
1: (laughs) What all did you have in that first one that you experimented with?
0: um well so i i ended up just doing water i usually do smoothies like with milk but i was like i don't know if i want milk in this thing (laughs) like (laughs) so i just did water and then i did some mango some banana and then honey and maple syrup and i just kind of blended that all together and added it to those pouches do
1: you have any idea of like how many carbohydrates are in that just out of curiosity
0: um i mean between the honey and the syrup so I'm I'm guessing each pouch had prox approximately 35 grams of carbs.
1: Okay. That's
0: yeah, cuz and amount. I picked yeah, and I picked mango specifically just because they obviously will affect your blood sugar a little bit more and like it's a a little bit more of an effect on on your system in my opinion than something like strawberries or
1: blueberries. Yeah, and they're delicious too. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) But yeah.
0: So yeah, I, I I have, I think I have like 10 or 12 of those pouches. So my plan is just to like, find the perfect like ratio, because I thought this one was a little bit too runny. Like I should add a little bit more fruit next time to make it a little bit thicker. And my plan is to like, hopefully use this for uh, a Coca-Dona in nine weeks or so whenever that ends up being. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, once you get the recipe kind of dialed down a bit, like I was I was texting you about, Um, I want to try something on the bikepacking trip I'm doing Um, in, I guess it'd be next month in April. Uh-huh. Um, I want to bring as much like real food as possible because I hate going on these trips and like like backpacking or bikepacking, you just kind of bring like the lightest, cheapest stuff. And I'd yeah. rather have real food and feel good and not feel like garbage afterwards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll Once I figure it out, I'll get it to you. I also added Redmond Relight, uh, the unflavored version to get a little bit of electrolytes in there too. So oh,
1: nice. you didn't taste the, the kind of weird flavor of the unflavored version.
0: No, I found that when you mixed it with fruit, it just, it almost makes it sweeter in my opinion. <laughs>
1: I'll have to try that.
0: Yeah. I couldn't taste it at all. But yeah, so cool. That was my week. Uh, What did that take? That took like 20 minutes, 25 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) We just like chat so much.
1: That's that's what this episode is for.
0: Yeah, that's why we can't do this with all the other ones. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And also before we get to the questions, uh, me and Derek wanted to restart the WTF posts of the week, or posts, because we each pick one. Uh, For those of you who don't know what that is, because we've only done it once... (laughs) Uh, it's basically we find a post, we find an article or just anything really that's just mind-blowing basically. Like polar opposite of what we believe in terms of nutrition and it just doesn't make sense in our mind and just kind of go through that and discuss it. So since I just shared my week, we'll pass it over to Derek and let him go through
1: his WTF post of the week. Ooh, So this is more of just like I don't know, just talking about like how crappy our food supply can be, especially like in hyper-processed foods. Um, so the the post, it's actually this is a little biased, but not too much. It's from Organic Consumers Association, and I know they have data to back it up. Um, but it says some breakfast foods contain more glyphosate than vitamin D or B12. So the, the foods they're talking about are like, like processed cereals, like, I don't know, Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops or granola bars, like that sort of thing. Um, And it says in this latest round of testing, um, we focus exclusively on Cheerios and Quaker Oats products of the 28 products sampled this time around Quaker oatmeal squares, brown sugar and honey nut flavors fared the worst containing nearly eight, 18 times more glyphosate than the EWG safety threshold. So you're getting like an insane amount of chemicals in your food and like glyphosate has been linked to like a million different diseases, um, like heavily correlated um, so I'm, I'm assuming in the future there'll be some sort of like class action lawsuit against it, or against the company that makes it, because it's it's insane. Like it's used as like a, um, as like a pest deterrent, but then it's also in our yeah. food and our water supply, no matter what. And it's like interesting, like how awful that is for your body, and like how we just kind of take it, and no one really even thinks much about it, because you don't need to put like a label on your cereal that says contains glyphosate or whatever. And like even if it's organic, it could potentially contain it as well.
0: Yeah, but I mean, since they don't warn us about it, that just means that it's better for us than raw milk, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just go kidding. drink some glyphosate. <laughs> that was sarcasm. Heavy sarcasm. Let's make sure we uh, we say that because yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a freaking like you say it's meant to deter away pests. So that means an er- it's an herbicide, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, like or it's a pesticide. That doesn't. Pesticide, herbicide. what's the difference? Mm, uh, that's a good question. I feel like those ter- <laughs> terms are just used, but no one really... Um,
0: yeah, look it up well, let's it. see. The official definition oh. of glyc... Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, it's a weed killer. What herb- is? Herbicide is a weed killer.
0: Okay, well, I mean, I'm looking at the definition right now. It says it's right. a synthetic compound, which is non-selective systematic herbicide.
1: Oh, okay, so it's a weed killer.
0: Particularly effective against weeds, and Perfect. that's in our
1: food. That's delicious. So I mean,
0: we we might as well be drink Roundup.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> might as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of coat all your food with it. Yeah. So if, put well, some into your raw milk.
0: You know how when you like type in on Google like something, and then it gives you suggestions of what other people have asked. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious to see what this says. People also ask: Is glyphosate harmful to humans? Let's see what uh, epa.gov has to say. No risks of concern to human health from current uses of glyphosate. Glyphosate products used according to label directions do not result in risks to children or adults. No indication that children are more sensitive to glyphosate. So that's what the government, that's what epa.gov says.
1: So I I mean, I guess it's safe. Yeah, yeah, trust them. Yeah, I think. (laughs) I'm gonna go buy a bottle of Roundup right now.
0: Yeah, that is my
1: race day fuel.
0: I got some in my backyard. I can go use. Delicious! It's so good for you. Yeah. Sure.
1: That's so uh, insane. Like there are so many more studies like saying how awful it is for you. I know. Like, like I wonder who fun- who funded that that study for uh, the EPA.
0: Yeah, I'll look at it after this. Also, what foods are sprayed with glyphosate, corn and soy, corn and soy are the biggest glyphosate users, but chickpeas, wheat and oat crops are also heavily treated with it.
1: That makes sense considering that graphic I was just looking at because, um, like oatmeal squares and honey nut Cheerios are made from oats. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. So that makes sense. And corn and soy too. It's like, that's most, um, most cereal products you get for breakfast are mainly just corn because it's super subsidized and cheap. So like yeah. cornflakes, uh, Captain Crunch, all these things are just corn. And everything has soy in it these days. Yeah, any like packaged food
0: for yeah. any reason. Well, so I guess what what's the takeaway here? Avoid
1: foods with glyphosate. Eat real food. Eat real just, food, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's kind of a, a losing battle to a certain extent because like those chemicals are on everything and then like every sort of plastic and whatever has some sort of health um, detriment to it. But I think that eating just as much real food as possible, as in like meat and dairy and whatever, like you're going to feel a lot better and cut out the majority of that. Yeah, for sure. I don't really have much more to add to that. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. But it is pretty (laughs) sad, though, that we have that much in our food. And I think and I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure glyphosate is banned, like Roundup is banned in other countries.
0: As it should be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it should be banned everywhere. It's freaking dangerous. I saw a video of these farmers, like in the Midwest, and they were just—they were—they um, had like gallons and gallons and gallons of it for their massive fields, like thousands of gallons. And they had zero protection, zero anything for their skin, breathing, or whatever. Like they were just out there scooping it up, and they're like, yeah, we know it's bad for us, but it's like, what do we do at this point? It's like, oh geez. like it's so just sad. accepting it.
0: I guess that's that's way sad. Holy cow!
1: Yeah, just wait until they have cancers from it. Like it's gonna happen. And it's so backwards. Yeah. Real
0: quick, uh, just for fun, since you know that question that I clicked on was is, "Is glyphosate harmful to humans?" Yeah. I decided to type in that question. But raw milk is raw milk harmful to humans? Uh huh. Um, raw milk can carry harmful germs such as a bunch of stuff I've never even heard of. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, e. Coli, I've heard of that. <laughs> uh, these germs can pose serious health risks to you and your family. So, like there's obviously an agenda out there. Like, like this is just like N equals one. It's not evidence-based or anything, but like a hundred, a hundred percent of the people that I know and have talked to, they have introduced raw milk into their diet, have seen benefits from it. They haven't had any issues. People who have had lactose intolerance issues have no issues in regards to that when they drink raw milk. And so Again, this is just N equals one, all the people that I've talked to, like I've had a lot of people on Instagram reach out to me and say, Hey, I've just started drinking raw milk and it's amazing. Thanks for the recommendation. So like, I've never had anybody reach out to me and say raw milk destroyed my health. Um, granted, I've never had people reach out to me and say glyphosate destroyed my health, but (laughs) I don't think think people make that connection when they're not healthy, (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, it's like, it's just so backwards. Like the, the agenda against meat, the agenda against milk, but like all these foods with glyphosate and yellow food colorings and stuff like that like it's just ridiculous like it's so backwards
1: yeah um uh, thinking about that um looking at the CDC's thing about raw milk and their outbreak studies um so it doesn't say exactly what the dates were but it says out of all these outbreaks from raw milk there was 4400 illnesses 239 hospitalizations and 3 deaths from drinking raw milk over a certain time frame. It doesn't say exactly the time frame, which is a little annoying. i um, will think to dig into it deeper. But it's interesting, like three people have died from drinking raw milk according to these studies. But it's like how many people have died from glyphosate? How many people have died from alcohol? How many people have died from these other like legal things that are just terrible? Or even just from straight up obesity like fast food. How many people have died simply from eating fast food? It's like that's not the reason, but is a major factor in why they're dying. But that's legal. Yet or like cigarettes. Cigarettes are legal. We know mm-hmm. they cause um. They, we know they cause lung cancer. We know that like tobacco chew causes mouth cancer and and gum disease and stuff. But we're banning raw milk because three people have died and who knows why <laughs> if it was even really because of that.
0: It's insane.
1: Yeah. It's so insane. That's so backwards.
0: Oh. Ugh, I'm done talking about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, this stuff just drives me up the wall. Yeah,
0: we could <laughs> ramble on and on and on about this this junk.
1: <laughs> That's for sure
0: anyway um let's have a little other topic to ramble on and on about uh, i'd like to share my wtf post of the week oh yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so uh mine's not a post uh it's just an observation and gosh dang i don't think i texted you these pictures must have sent it to you through instagram
1: <laughs> oh yeah you did
0: okay so uh my wife sarah she's trying to lose weight and so it's funny we have this discussion over and over i'm just like do low carb do animal based like don't track your calories don't do all this other stuff just do this but she's like she hates low carb (laughs) and so (laughs) she's, (laughs) she's trying her way which is tracking her calories and making sure she's in a calorie deficit and she's she's eliminating certain foods like i've told her i was like well at least eliminate dr pepper she loves dr pepper And so, like, there's little things that I've encouraged her to do what she's doing. But the biggest thing is she's tracking her calories and trying to be in a calorie deficit. And she's using this app. I should have asked her what the app was called so I could tell people listening to this to not ever use this app. (laughs) But uh, basically, you put in your food and it tells you, like, your calories and stuff just like any food macro tracking app would do. But it also grades your food, which I guess a lot of apps do that, too, now that I think about it. But uh, the other day she had four large eggs for breakfast and the rating that this app gave for it was a D which on the scale of ratings is not a good rating. It's a, it's the second closest, or I guess if you include D minus it's the third closest to the worst rating possible. Um, So yeah, gave eggs as a D. She also had that day. She had a breakfast burrito so she had two tortillas, which was graded as a C, uh, so slightly better than the eggs. But the real kicker here, uh a couple of days ago, she was in a hurry, so instead of having eggs, she pulled out some oatmeal squares, brown sugar, crunchy oat cereal. uh Let me just say that title again before I say what the reading was the rating was, but it's oatmeal squares, brown sugar crunchy oat cereal. So cereal with, with sugar on it. And the rating for this bad boy was a B minus, which if I was in school, I would have been stoked about a B minus on a test or a grade or something like that. Like B minus is good in my opinion. Um, and just looking at the coloring too, it's like the eggs rating the D it's like big and bold and red D go over to the B And it's green. It looks pleasant. It looks happy. It makes you want to eat it based off of the rating and it's just, I I mean, obviously Sarah knows like that that's a bunch of bull crap. <laughs> uh, you and I know that that's a bunch of bull crap. I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to this know that's a bunch of bull crap. But if somebody was sincerely trying to lose weight, doesn't know a lot about nutrition, doesn't know that glyphosate is a herbicide, doesn't know that uh processed meats is a carcinogen, like, you know doesn't know a lot of these things like they're going to look at that and be like oh okay cool avoid eggs eat cereal that's going to help me lose weight and it's just so sad because there's going to be a lot of people that ruin their health by following that kind of advice
1: yeah it's freaking insane and it goes back to that tough study too same thing essentially it's like okay they have these random markers for like what makes a food healthy and in the end it's like oh, lucky charms are healthier than ground beef or eggs or whatever and yeah. th- there's there's zero chance that eggs are worse for you than this <laughs> hyper-processed cereal with preservatives, glyphosate, like we've already talked about, not to mention all the sugar in that, and probably corn syrup and all these other fake sugars and stuff. And, like, it's insane, like, and they're perpetuating that information, and it's definitely hurting people. Like, I, I imagine, like, on a scale of, like, Pop-Tarts to oatmeal squares, oatmeal squares are better for you, but that's, like... What's better for you, like cow poop or bison poop? Like, it's not necessarily (laughs) food. Like (laughs) One might be better, but it's not much better. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, it's like Google ingredients and eggs. What are you going to see? Eggs. Eggs. Uh, Google oatmeal brown sugar cereal ingredients. Oh, gosh. People also ask. Well... (laughs) I automatically saw that is Quaker oatmeal squares, brown sugar, healthy, people ask. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, the ingredients, let's, do you have the ingredients up? I got that no. too.
1: Okay, yeah, you can go through it.
0: Okay, so the ingredients,
1: oh gosh, that's not the
0: ingredients. What were you going to say while I am here and find the ingredients?
1: So uh, I was looking around, so you just if you Google Quaker oatmeal squares, um, this is how it says on the Quaker site, Quaker oatmeal squares, brown sugar flavor. So brown sugar flavor with other natural flavors, crunchy oat cereal. So it's not just an oat cereal. It's brown sugar flavor. It's so this whatever with other natural flavors, crunchy oat cereal. Um, and then you look at what it says. It's like product details, 46 grams of whole grains. Experts suggest eating at least three servings of whole grains daily. And it's like 10 grams of protein with milk. And they recommend skim <laughs> or low fat milk then it's a good source of, of fiber and calcium it's like okay like whatever then what really is annoying about this whole thing it's like our brown sugar oatmeal squares are made with are made with whole grain quaker oats and wheat so they are they have gluten in them um and are packed with the rich sweetness of brown sugar you might never suspect they're healthy like well because they're not that's why you wouldn't <laughs> suspect they're healthy like then you pull up like the oh, what were you gonna say
0: it says you might never suspect that they are healthy.
1: Yeah, that's what it says. "Quote: You might never suspect they are healthy." Like, and do they what?
0: like follow up with a statement to that? No, no.
1: That's the end. That's the end of the paragraph. Then it jumps into nu- nutrition info. So it's like it's low fat. There's three grams of fat. Um, whatever, no cholesterol, a little bit of sodium, forty-four grams of carbs in a serving, bunch of fiber, nine grams of sugar, six grams of plant protein. So not too much, but it's like there's zero vitamin D, two percent of calcium. There's some iron, um, like since you get ninety percent of your iron DV from, I don't know, think that's very accurate, but who knows? But ninety
0: percent, um, wow.
1: That's but it'd be plant based iron. Yeah, it's so plant based. So, yeah, so you're gonna absorb not like him. what zero percent of it um so there's really not that much in it there's a lot of folate and i'm assuming a lot of these things are added in it doesn't tell you if they are um synthetic well so i
0: have the ingredients now that says whole grain whole grain oat flour whole wheat flour brown sugar sugar maltodextrin oh they're they're tricky yeah they have brown sugar well they have brown sugar and sugar and maltodextrin uh malted barley extract natural flavors salt baking soda i've never heard of this before talk toco ferrous ferols. Yeah, i have that's no idea to pre- how to pronounce it okay meant to preserve freshness then vitamins and minerals reduce iron for folic acid so uh yeah
1: and then you have eggs as the ingredient for eggs <laughs> yeah <laughs> so thinking about this then too it's like the high iron content is because they're adding iron folic acid is 50 percent of your dv and that's added so like if you took out these like added vitamins and minerals you basically have nothing in this cereal it's just like a sugar bomb and there's a little bit of fiber but like like give me a break And all the like reviews are like it's so good it's delicious and blah 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 these are pure joy it's like yeah they're good but so is a candy bar like just go eat a snickers
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it says that they're heart healthy on the package so that's good oh
1: yeah well and do you know who owns quaker
0: um let me guess let me guess uh a tobacco company
1: <laughs> no pet well essentially pepsi co does oh uh, it's okay. so who, who funds all these like say remember when we talked with michelle and she was talking about who funds all these organizations like the dietetics yeah. association it's like these big food manufacturers so of course they can be like oh it's healthy like follow the money here it's like if pepsi's funding quaker and these studies and they're saying they're healthy they give them the stamp of approval it's like they're not funding i don't know egg company a or whatever
0: yeah it's so backwards
1: dude it's like
0: the fact that they can label heart healthy on there but then make farmers put warning labels on raw milk that's just absolutely yeah. frustrating 100%. but we don't need to talk about this much more just those are our two <laughs> wtf posts <laughs> of the week guys just know get me going i know <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do these because we can <laughs> talk forever about it. <laughs> uh anyway. So yeah, so those are the two WTF posts, uh articles, whatever you want to call it of the week. Uh let's dive into the questions. I believe we have four or so.
1: Yeah, we got four or five questions. So let's go through them. Um I'll just read this one it's from Trail Run Addiction on YouTube. Um I don't know their real name, but that's their username. Um, so this was a great episode. which is referring to one of our episodes about diet, which is all of them. Uh, <laughs> it says, Mike, my first go-around low-carb in 19, I did a 50-miler, 100K, and 200-mile races. I was too strict with staying low-carb during my races to start with. My final 100-miler in November, I started using loaded mashed potatoes in a baby food pouch. It was Hormel brand. Did not do homemade at that time. Just added sodium. It was easy. Pouch carried well in vest and waist belt and really helped me Definitely really helped me definitely going back to low carb i definitely add more carbs so like what are your thoughts on that of like going super low carb but then adding in say potatoes or fruit as a carb source during events it wasn't a question it was more of a statement that he made <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so i mean i mean i obviously agree with it because that's what i do and especially since you and i are even trying this now where we're like making our own real food for for our carb sources for races and running like I think potatoes are awesome. Uh, I don't, to be honest, I don't do a lot of those in my day-to-day I don't do any of those in my day-to-day right now, honestly, because I'm avoiding vegetables for the most part. But, um, this actually does trigger a thought in my head that I should probably start using those again, because I do believe potatoes are a great, uh, fuel source for ultras. Um, especially like in the nighttime, especially the next day. And especially like if it's a hundred miler and you add butter to it, like, you're getting salt. You're getting some starchy vegetables, and you're getting some fat. Like it's a very uh, awesome, for lack of a better word, awesome way to like get in some carbs and some nutrition in the middle of a race. And I don't think low carb, animal based athletes should be afraid of using something like potatoes or fruits or, or anything really like that.
1: Yeah, and they're pretty low fiber too. I'm assuming, right? Like mashed potatoes, yeah, going to have a ton of fiber in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's great. And then doing it in the pouches. I've seen a lot of people do that before too. Like it's, I mean, when I've done a race, I've basically done the same thing, but with like a Ziploc baggie, like I'll go into an aid station and get ready to go out on a 20 mile section and they have mashed potatoes. And I'll just be like, could you add the mashed potatoes to a bowl, crumble some bacon into it, add some butter, stir it up and put it in a Ziploc baggie for me before I head out, please. And like that's a great little treat to have in the middle of a section.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like loaded mashed potatoes in a squeezable uh, form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I mean, I guess I agree with you say it was shell runner addiction.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I agree with that. I think that's awesome. And I'll probably do something similar for Coca-Dona now that he brought that back up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so a Bronco data Moab, um, we just had like, we've the night before, I think it was Jen or maybe it was someone else in the career cooked up a bunch of mashed potatoes. We stuck them in Tupperware. Then like when you'd come into like say whatever aid station at Indian Creek, just warm those up real quick. They warm up real quick in a jet boil. And you just have like hot mashed potatoes essentially. So you don't have to buy the instant ones. You can just boil some potatoes the day before and they keep super well, especially in a fridge.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean I'm not again, I'm not like a a a nutritionist, I guess is the right word. <laughs> Uh, but so like, I don't know the difference between like what potatoes will do for your body versus something like a gel or something like that. I'm guessing that this is just me guessing, but I'm guessing that potatoes has a similar effect on energy levels as a gel would be maybe not as much because there's obviously sugar in gels or different forms of sugar. Uh, but like for somebody that's low carb animal based, like potatoes are going to give you a big kick, especially if they're not something that you're eating in your day to day. And so if you're like us who are trying to do as much real food as possible over the gels, then, you know, utilizing potatoes makes sense.
1: Yeah. And if they taste good to you as well, like they're pretty neutral flavors. So like if you want to add yeah. bacon or cheese or whatever you can, or if you just want them straight. Keep yeah. Ass, like...
0: And if it's hot, they just like basically melt on your tongue you don't have to like like you know like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or just like a nut butter for example like those are really hard to get down if it's hot but like potatoes they're just so soft and fluffy like they almost just like dissolve on your tongue
1: (laughs) yeah and i think a lot of people like even just like a normal ultra is like they'll have like boiled potatoes or whatever and it's like yeah they're they're so neutral tasting you put some salt on there it's like oh that's super good and they just go down like you're saying like no matter if they're cold or they're hot or whatever they just work
0: yeah so yeah Um, i agree
1: yeah oh it's interesting because i guess like i guess kind of the statements talks about adding more carbs in so like if you were in a race it's like well you do potatoes or bananas or something that just sits well with you but i guess in the end just adding some sort of carbohydrate source because you could do like and you've done it before like do 100 miles without any calories or you could do donna, like purely keto like under 20 grams of carbs even zero carb you could do that but your performance is probably going to suffer your recovery might be spot on because you'd be moving a lot slower but you're probably not going to win on zero carbs for being real. yeah <laughs> even
0: though i will say if there is ever is a shot of that it's going to be a race light cocodona because you're going at such a lower intensity anyways so who knows how many carbs you actually need for that kind of pace because you know i don't know how many other listeners are 200 mile racers but i know for me my heart rate like doesn't get anywhere near like my aerobic threshold, like it's very low. It's like in the low one thirties and primarily burning fat anyways. So yeah, like if you are going to go little to no carb at a race, I would say 200 milers make the most sense in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And I guess too, if you wanted, you could just be like shooting ketones the whole time, like ketone <laughs> shots or whatever. And have, yeah, or just use your own ketones that your body produces and not spend the millions of dollars on them
0: that's true
1: <laughs> yeah. i'd be curious maybe i'll go do a 200 mile they when I to go bikepacking next month i'll just take ketone shots at me and see how i feel yeah fueled <laughs> by ketones <laughs> i probably feel starved the whole time though or famished
0: <laughs> yeah i wonder if you would though because i mean you'd be in a deep state of fat burning like yes. when i did my zero calorie 100 the the two times i've done it i didn't get super hungry really really yeah interesting. i mean you're burning a high level of fat for fuel and I mean, it's the same concept in my opinion. Like, I don't know if you're the same way, but after a long run, like that's probably the hardest time I have eating just because like in that long run, I went into a deep state of fat burning. So when I finished, I'm pretty satiated and it's kind of hard for me to eat calorically dense foods. And so I guess it's a
1: similar concept. Yeah. That makes sense. Like Saturday my, or after my long run, like on the way back, I think I was thirsty. So I was also like, I'm hungry. Cause I, I didn't pack enough water because I don't know I didn't plan it perfectly or well at all I should <laughs> say but I was like oh man I'm just gonna go back to my truck and like cook a steak and blah 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 and I got back I was like man I'm not hungry I think I just drank a little bit of water and then I drove to Phoenix to get raw milk which But didn't but, but yeah I'm the same way though it's like I just wasn't that hungry and like it was pretty low intensity the entire time so yeah I don't know I'm just or just I don't know backing up what you said I guess okay well thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> cool what do we got next let's see what our next question is so this one is just about milk and this is a a common we talk so much about milk but it's freaking amazing um um so the question is why are we the only mammals that continue to drink milk um so this question gets asked a lot by like vegans and just people in general because there's this whole like fight against the dairy industry and from vegans, non-vegans, just people that just want to demonize milk. And I know a lot of people in general aren't drinking cow's milk or animal milks anymore. They're making like plant like plant-based milks. I hate I hate that term, whatever, but like like oat milk or almond milk or soy milk or whatever instead of milk, because apparently humans have never drank cow's milk as as <sighs> grown mammals, but we do drink soy milk as mammals. I don't I don't get it. But like so what would be your response, I guess, Mike, I'll I'll stop blabbering, but like, why are we the only <laughs> mammals that continue to drink milk? Like, what is your response to that when people ask you?
0: Uh, the first and simple answer is because we want to, <laughs> like, it's something that I crave and something that I enjoy and something that makes me feel good. So yeah, I'm going to eat it. And obviously people could be like, well, people could say that about cocaine and meth. Well, yeah. I mean, we're really going to compare milk to meth and cocaine, <laughs> like, Come on. Uh, so yeah, so that's the simple answer just because we want to. But second of all, like I'd, I'd answer, it's not really an answer. I don't know if I have an answer, but <clears throat> I would just ask two questions. One question I would ask to the vegans who asked that question. And I'd be like, why are we the only mammals that fill the need? Sorry. Why are we the only plant-based mammals that fill the need to eat synthetic meat? Like you don't see... Like turtles, turtles eat plants, right? They're plant-based? I have no idea.
1: I thought they like fish and stuff.
0: I thought turtles were plant-based. Well, anyway, so we'll just say turtles. <laughs> say turtles are <laughs> <or> plant-based because <laughs> I think Michelle is ta- talking about how she feeds her dog liver and how she feeds her turtle like more of a
1: plant-based diet, if I remember right. Oh, she's yeah, oh yeah, she's a tortoise. Yeah, those eat um like plants and stuff. So maybe turtles. Okay, are tortoise. Same. I don't know. All well, different, different animals, but...
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tortoises. You don't see tortoises like trying to figure out how to make fake meat like they just eat plants and so why are why are we the only plant-based mammals that try to eat fake meat and then for the people who aren't vegans who ask that question uh monsters rock stars like bangs all these energy drinks why are we the mammals that have to like eat and drink like Crap. Like, why are we the only mammals that rely on sucralose or aspartame, like fake sweeteners? Why are we the only mammals that have to drink 200 milligrams of caffeine every day to have energy to go throughout our day? Like, why are we the only mammals that cook all of our food? Why are we the only mammals that know how to create and make fire? Like, there's so many things that we do. The other mammals don't do, but people are going to be nitpicky and ask about the milk. Like, that doesn't make sense to me.
1: It doesn't make sense at all. Because it's like, we are also the only mammals that use air conditioning. We're the only mammals that use vehicles. So like, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, it's like, cool, walk to your next race. Or yeah, and then don't don't sleep on the the bed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I just sleep on the ground. Like, that's, it seems like a really silly argument because this doesn't make any sense like we're always looking for the most nutritionally dense foods and like human diets have evolved over time as well like once humans discovered fire it's like oh cool like we can cook our food and extract more nutrients from this meat now because we're cooking it so like okay if you want to eat like a lion eat like a lion don't cook your meat and just eat meat and that's it like they're mammals like okay right they're mammals right I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a biologist. This <laughs> it just comes down to that too. It's just like it's like what Michelle was saying two weeks ago. Like we have species specific diets. Like I've seen I've seen vegans that feed their cats a vegan diet and their cats die. So like why would you do that? Like your cat is a carnivore. Like they don't want to yeah. be eating plants, no matter like they can make your you could make, I don't know, like a bean patty taste like a piece of chicken or fish and the cat will eat it because it thinks it's chicken or fish, but that doesn't make it healthy for it. Right. So, I don't yeah, know. I that's... honestly, I I, I kind of hate that question. Like, I don't want to sound like disparaging because maybe this person is coming from like a, I don't know, a good point of view or just legitimately curious. Right. It really bothers me even like people ask that question. It's kind of like, oh, I gotcha. It's like that's not a gotcha question. Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's like, <laughs> we've been drinking that because it's good for us, and there's vitamins and minerals in it, and we're going to continue to do it. Like, it's yeah, especially if it's raw, it's good for you.
0: And I do want to say like, I know not everybody asks that question or thinks that way, like in a hostile way, because there is somebody that I just started coaching a few weeks ago that um, is trying a low carb animal based approach now. And we were talking about milk and he told me that he cut out dairy a couple of years ago and I asked why. And that was one of the things that he said <clears throat> was that him and his wife decided that, you know, no other mammals drink other mammals milk. So why should we kind of a thing? And so, yeah, he wasn't being hostile. Like he knows that I love raw milk. He wasn't trying to discredit me or make me think differently, but mm-hmm. that's basically what I said to him too. I was just like, cause he he's a, he's a fan of certain supplements that have fake sugars in it, fake sweeteners. And I know that. And I said to him, I was like, well, you're right. We are the only mammals that do this, <clears throat> but, uh, we're also the only mammals that rely on sucralose and aspartame and caffeine. And he just replies, he's like, okay, yeah. Point proven. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> Like it's definitely, I do feel like it's more of a nitpicky question in most scenarios. There are some people that just agree with that and that's fine. But but yeah, if you're going to be picky about the the milk that we're drinking, then start like being picky about all the other crap that we're eating that other mammals and animals aren't.
1: Yeah. And I think like, I don't, I think the kind of like idea about milk is, or the idea of milk being bad for us and like only for like cows or whatever has been kind of perpetuated by these like by vegans essentially and like vegetarians where it's like well well like meat or uh milk sorry this is very inflammatory and it's not good for your health has all these problems blah 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 but it's like they're basing that or that data are based off of um, man i can't even speak this morning sorry those data are based off of like pasteurized homogenized milk so it's not even like a real food product at that point like it's like a semi semi-processed food product. Whereas like raw milk is like a legit thing. It's like, why do all mammals drink that when they're born and raised? Cause it's like, it's nutritionally dense and has like a perfect macro ratio. So like it's like just drinking a multivitamin all day, every day. And if you can do that as a human, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Why would you want to fill your diet with like suboptimal non-nutrient dense foods when you have like this perfect source, like at your fingertips, essentially of everything yeah. you need, like, you could probably just survive off of raw milk forever like yeah (laughs) i I wouldn't suggest it but you could like (laughs) yeah i mean it's a natural probiotic it's there's there's a lot to it yeah and it has fat protein some carbohydrates in it all these vitamins and stuff
0: vitamin d calcium and i think it was that nutrition with tom and laura lauren Mm -hmm. tom and lauren yeah i think it's lauren um they just did a post a day or two ago about raw milk and it's like you know we started feeding cows corn soy and putting them in tight quarters, tight, dirty quarters, and then pasteurize their milk and, and all this stuff. And then we started blaming the the issue on the, the milk. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so obviously like you want to make sure that you like, <laughs> here we are going back to raw milk. <laughs> <laughs> obviously you want to source your raw milk and make sure you're getting it from like a, a clean farm, like the farm that I get it from, like the cows are out in fields, like they're not laying down in tight quarters covered in their own manure um, it's like a very clean environment and it's just, it is definitely something that you want to make sure that you're getting like good quality raw milk for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think that just goes back to like any sort of meat you're buying or produce or whatever, right. like buy the best that you can afford. Um, like obviously like meat's good for you in general, but like you can get better meat cuts of meat as far as like quality and sourcing do that. Not necessarily like, Oh, it's a T-bone. So it's better than like a bottom round steak, but like the actual, like I don't know, like try to like meet the ranchers and the farmers and the butchers and stuff and kind of figure out where the stuff is coming from and see how the animals are treated. Cause I feel like the best way to like make change is to vote with your wallet versus just voting. Cause if you vote with your wallet, like the, 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 uh, economics are there and they prove it. Like if more people buy like pasture raised, like grass fed, grass finished beef, there's more of a market for it. And people see the opportunity to, to, to create that or to raise that because then people are going to buy it and they're not going to be losing out which in the end makes prices cheaper for all of us.
0: And I mean, it's really not bad to begin with. Like, like you can get an 80% or sorry, 95%. Sorry, I'm saying this backwards. Yeah, 95% lean because the leaner it is, the cheaper it is. Um, and you're still getting a good amount of fat, even if it's 93% lean. But it's like that Thousand Hills brand, I got grass-fed uh, ground beef from Natural Grocers last week and it was like $6. Like obviously that's $3 more than the ground beef that you can get at Walmart. That's totally different and tastes totally different, but like six, $6 for a pound of ground beef, that's not that bad. Like that's how much a cup of coffee
1: costs these days. Almost. Yeah. Honestly, like you go to Starbucks and you get like a mocha frappuccino or whatever, like it's like $6, yeah. $7, like stuff adds up really fast. <laughs> not that yeah. I'm not buy it now, but I see people buy it.
0: <laughs> and I guarantee you that a pound of ground beef will fill you up
1: more than a a 16 ounce jug of coffee (laughs) I saw this funny meme the other day on instagram and it's like like why does my stomach hurt so bad and it's like it's like this is what you have for breakfast it's like a vape pen and a monster or something it's like yeah like that's why you feel like crap because you're vaping when you wake up and then drinking a monster which is just full of i'm not gonna swear crap like (laughs) not even food
0: Well, it's almost too like, we're at a point where I feel like, like eating unhealthy is the cool thing to do. And maybe it's like finally reversing. Like, I feel like a lot of things that used to be cool is starting to become uncool as we get older. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so where was I going with this? Oh, when I, when I got out of high school, like I remember, like, I tried to just be as extreme as possible with my meals just to like, be like, Oh, he eats that. That's crazy. And he looks like that. That's, that's cool. (laughs) And so like, you know, I remember like, yeah, for breakfast, I'd have like a breakfast burrito, 7-Eleven with a 40 ounce or not 40 ounce. I haven't bought a soda in so long, a liter, a liter of Mountain Dew. And then for lunch, I remember I made this concoction. It was three slices of bread. <laughs> uh, The bottom of the bread, the bottom of the two slices was peanut butter and jelly. And then the top of the next slice was peanut butter and, uh the jiff marshmallow spread stuff
1: that was your breakfast
0: that was my lunch oh breakfast was the
1: oh the burrito
0: (laughs) the burrito and the mountain dew was
1: my breakfast (laughs) oh it's disgusting
0: (laughs) yeah and i wonder why like i gained weight i wonder why like i was basically pre-diabetic like Cause that's how I ate. And that's what, like, in my mind was the cool thing to do. Like, it's kind of ridiculous.
1: I don't, I've been thinking a lot about like, like what you're saying, how, I don't know, we used to always do these extremes of like, just poor things like for the attention and stuff. And I have two comments on this. And the first one is I feel like in 2023 to be like a rebel or punk rock is to (laughs) have a family, get married, eat meat, exercise and not be on your phone all day where like in the past it was like counterculture was like oh yeah like all these other things and go go vegan and don't hurt animals and now it's like no like go into these like really conservative values if you want to call them that of like yeah i go to church and i eat real food and i have a community and like all these things are like the new like the new version of being punk rock which is really interesting to me because historically it was never that way culture is so fascinating
0: i was thinking that exact same thing uh like yesterday or the day before it's <laughs> like uh i bought a shirt like uh you might think it's cheesy but like it's a shirt it says uh god guns and gains <laughs> oh, i like <laughs> that of it. awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i bought that shirt and i was wearing it around and like i had that exact same thought i'm like gosh if people like if i went to like a uh, um i'm not democrat i'm not republican like i vote based off of like the value of the person i'm voting for basically um and so but but so i I just wanted to put that out there before i made this statement (laughs) but it's like if i was to wear that shirt and go to like a blue state or whatever like i'd be ridiculed as like yeah like I, i wasn't gonna say punk rock when i was thinking about it but like just like this like heathen who just like is just a terrible person for believing in those things, like believing in physical activity gains, uh, mm-hmm. like being okay with guns as long as there's like some good gun laws, and like believing in God. Like those things are just like something that's not cool to do. And well, it is cool if you do it, <laughs> but like yeah. if you're not if you're not doing it, you're viewed as just like this crazy person who's insensitive to other people who don't do those things. Like it's so weird.
1: <laughs> it, it is really strange, and it's interesting because I feel like. Like the carnivore, like animal-based community, or even keto to a certain extent, is kind of like anti anti culture, if you want to call it that, or anti anti authority maybe is a better term. Because mm-hmm. you see, like the FDA and the CDC recommend all these things, and like if you follow that community all at all, it's like okay, eat meat, don't listen to the FDA, don't listen to the government, drink raw milk, like have kids, uh, don't take these vaccines. So it's almost like anti-authority in that sense and like be self-sufficient versus relying on the government. And it's mm-hmm. really interesting. Like I'll definitely save my rambles about that for another time, but I think that it's important to push boundaries and kind of like what you did with your hundred miler on zero calories. It's like, yeah, you got a lot of pushback on that, but like that's science. And that's like, you were kind of like fighting the norm, if that makes sense by like, oh, I can do this on zero calories. And maybe that wasn't your intention going in, but maybe it's some like deep mindset that you have like, built into your body or your wiring of your brain
0: well, i mean the first time i did it it was just as was possible the second yeah. time i did it it was definitely kind of like a middle finger to all the people who are upset about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny you know, thinking that yeah. too like what you're when you're talking about like your 7-eleven burritos and marshmallow whatever sandwich um, <laughs> last night i i shouldn't have spent the 20 minutes watching this but um derek from my more plates more dates you know who that is yeah So we had this video, it's a year old now, but it's popped up in my YouTube feed. And I was like, "Ah, I should probably go to bed. But here I am on my phone watching this like like an idiot. But he analyzed this video that was, it's like five years old or six years old now. And this kid was building a YouTube channel. And like, I'm assuming he lives at home just based as as a teenager based off of like the stuff in the house. Because I'm assuming he's not having all these like live, laugh, love signs in in a dude's house. (laughs) Like that's single as a bachelor. (laughs) Um, And he looked pretty young. But like he did this thing where, um, just to get clicks and like clickbait, it was he took four thousand milligrams of caffeine before going to the gym, and which is insane because like like the recommended max dose is like four hundred milligrams a day, so ten times that is like gonna stop your heart, and that's what um, they were talking about in the video. But like it was just insane, like how much crap that he he consumed. It was like a rock star, all these gels, pre workouts, all these things to get four thousand milligrams then he went to the gym and lifted and it's like oh that's gonna blow your heart up for sure and they were gonna like take some footage afterwards of like how he felt during like the come down from the caffeine high and two days later he's like yeah I felt like such garbage that I didn't even want to film because I felt so poor and I thought that was really interesting because it's just, like people do these things so like oh I'm so cool like look at me I'm slamming three monsters or four thousand milligrams of caffeine it's like this whole like beat your body up, like in a very non constructive way, is just insane, but it's very clickbaity and it does well online. But it's like, is it worth it to eat crap to like get some social media cred? It's like, no, like, of course not. No.
0: <laughs> and I mean, people would probably say that about us though. People think we eat like crap and that we're doing it for that
1: reason, I would bet. <laughs> yeah, probably. But it's yeah. like, it's not like you're going to like, oh, I'm going to go eat 30 cheeseburgers a day for the rest of my life because, or, You know, those videos of like these people that are just like demolishing tons of food, like $100 worth of food every meal, just like fast food and stuff. It's like, that's just like clickbaity stuff. And like it gets views, but it's like, is it really worth being obese and having all these issues that come with it? Like, no, like it's a big gamble, (laughs) a huge gamble. It's like, yeah. So that kid didn't die. No. So like the whole video, I'm like, this kid's probably dead because he only had like four videos on his YouTube channel. And I uh-huh. was like, oh my gosh, like he's dead. Like there's no way he's making a video after this. And like, so he made the the outro for the video two days after and he was very mellow. I'm sure he was still in like a, his body's <laughs> probably just in shock or something. Then he made a couple of videos after that and then stopped making videos. And in the comments, someone was like, oh yeah, he probably died or he died in a car crash from an overdose or something. And I'm like, so there's no real, like no one really knows what happened to him. But I'm curious because if he's doing these very poor life habits and like things like consuming four grams of caffeine he probably had some other like bad habits going on as well so i wouldn't be surprised if he died in a car crash or some sort of overdose but i'm also curious like where he is now in his life and if things have changed at all
0: yeah that'd be interesting
1: yeah but he doesn't like have a functioning youtube channel really anymore so it's like Uh... and he only got like eighty thousand views so it's not even like he went viral and had like 10 million views or something it's like he probably destroyed his heart to not even make a buck like which is it's really yeah. sad, honestly, that like people do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. That's yeah. crazy, dude. So, so for how the record, we subject, we're talking about my sandwich and like how I was being extreme on purpose.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's go, I don't know, clarify for a second. Don't take 4000 milligrams of caffeine because no. it's extremely bad for your health.
0: Well, like, and I'm pretty sure like your body can only metabolize like 80 to 90 grams of sorry 80 to 90 milligrams at once does mm-hmm. that sound right or did i make that up
1: i'm not really sure <laughs> like i know i think the half-life is, that- is like seven hours or something in caffeine but either way that's going to cause major like gas- Like he said also he had major gastric issues like
0: he's a said, diuretic
1: <laughs> yeah and like your body's just like trying to like purge out all this toxin because technically caffeine is a toxin and so his body's just like get out of me and just like purge like crazy <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, if I need to go to the bathroom, that's a strategy that I have in a race is to take more caffeine.
1: Yeah, well, like, why do people go mm-hmm. after uh, drinking coffee or something? It's because of the caffeine. Yep.
0: <laughs> Damn, if <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, can you just imagine? Uh, like, the the video is gnarly. I'll put send it to you because it's kind of funny, but also, like, I, I honestly felt sick watching it at the same time. And, like, I, I just hate that people would do something like that just to get some views or, like, we're in this part of society where – like that's kind of accepted. It's like, it's like, oh, like, I don't know. I really can't put into words how I feel about it, I guess.
0: Yeah. So is that the video? I saw you put out a video a day or two ago that was like, why bodybuilders die young.
1: Is it that one? No, um, it's, it's totally, it's a year old now. Uh, oh, okay. I'll send it to you after and you can watch it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it in the show notes too. <laughs>
0: well yeah the takeaway is is don't take away that don't take that much caffeine like 100 milligrams at once is usually from what i remember like what your body can
1: handle in that seven hour period yeah which is kind of insane when you think about it because like oh like a monster or something's gonna have like 160 milligrams of caffeine and that's pretty standard but then like i think monster and rockstar make ones with 300 milligrams and bangs are 300 milligrams and then if you take a a couple pre-workouts too like that's also pushing you way up there over like the safe limit I know everybody's yeah. different and metabolizes it differently, but like either way, that's bad for your body. Like that's that's pretty insane.
0: That's a crazy story, like
1: go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Speaking of, we should do an episode on caffeine. Um, I think it's a it's interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I love my caffeine, and I know most people do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I try not to take it. It keeps me up at night. My body sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I I usually stop like by noon um if i'm just a normal day because if i start taking caffeine afternoon then it's like i'd stay up all night or i just don't sleep well i should say
0: even if i stop before noon it keeps me up at night really yeah i don't know why
1: it's probably not a bad thing honestly
0: it's like yeah i don't need it it. yeah yeah
1: (laughs) cool what else do we got (laughs) we have another
0: question or two we keep getting
1: super sidetracked but this is another good one um so this one goes back to the I think it was with Browning where we talked about um, sweat and sweat concentration. It might've been Browning or I don't know. I should have. Or Zach. Or Zach. Um, But it says, so all sweat or concentration varies by effort. And so the question it's, it's a little short, but basically what it's talking about is your sweat rate. Like the amount of of sweat you lose, but then also your sodium concentration in that sweat. So I don't, I read a few papers about it and um, I know it's like, it's, it's not concrete, but there's a lot of data looking at different directions. But what are your thoughts on that question?
0: Um, I don't know. To be honest, I was just slightly distracted because my kids are making a lot of noise. So I want to make yeah. sure it wasn't too loud. <laughs> oh, I can't hear uh, it. I'll, I'll
1: jump into it, though. Um, okay. <laughs> so basically, like your sweat rate, as far as like the amount of sweat loss, will change based off your effort and temperature and some other factors like that right and also the genetics and like and also your um like how acclimatized you are to the environment but also your fitness level so you have like four factors or so weighing into how much you're sweating because you know you want an easy run you don't sweat very much you want to do a workout you miss the same distance you're going to sweat more or if it's 100 degrees versus 40 degrees like your sweat rate is different right but from papers that i've read and things i've listened to like your sodium level doesn't or your sodium loss in sweat doesn't really change like it's genetic so mike you may lose like a liter of sweat an hour during a run and lose 800 milligrams of sodium in that same hour right but then right. if you're only sweating 500 milliliters per hour then your sodium loss is going to correlate with that as well so it would only be 400 milligrams and not the 800 milligrams if that makes sense okay and so that what was the question So the question just says, um, so all sweat or concentration varies by effort. So all sweat loss or concentrations of sodium varies by effort. And that's more or less yes, but also no. There's just a lot of variables that play into it. And so I think just to simplify it, like your sweat rate, as far as like the amount of sweat you lose per hour is going to change based off your fitness level, your body type, your genetics. Um, and how acclimatized you are to the environment but the sodium loss will stay the same as far as right. like, the concentration so like okay. i'm a i'm a pretty heavy sweater and so like if i go out and run like i know i need at least a thousand milligrams per liter of fluid that i ingest otherwise i get super like dehydrated but someone mm-hmm. could also lose mm-hmm. only 200 somebody could lose two thousand milligrams so it it varies a little bit but largely it's, the, the sodium loss anyways is controlled by genetics
0: yeah, I'll have to. Do you have links to those articles? Because I've I've never heard that before about the the amount of sodium you lose kind of equals out no matter how many liters you sweat.
1: So it doesn't necessarily equal out. So like, so it's it's a ratio, I guess. And so just to keep it very simple. Like a thousand or a liter of of sweat. Could contain a gram of sodium right okay right and that, that ratio is going to stay essentially the same there'll be some minor changes in it but essentially it's a thousand got, it, a got thousand. it got it so like every liter that i'm i'm drinking i'm also taking in a gram of salt to kind of keep my levels the same but yours could be completely different so the only way to really know your sodium concentration levels is to do a sweat test mm. and then um but then also just like know your fluid intake as well because all these factors will play into like cramping for example or even blood volume levels and stuff and if those levels drop too much like you're going to have issues but then on the other hand if you do too much you're going to have issues as well
0: yeah i would agree with that and it makes sense too like in terms of like all the different variables that go into how much you're sweating like <clears throat> for example i me and jeff browning were just talking about this because like last week we were both in vegas together And we did a couple of runs together and it was like mid forties and I was running with my shirt off (laughs) Uh, while I had like plenty of people from Vegas who were like wearing sweats and coats and beanies. And they're like, dude, aren't you cold? And I was like, well, it was negative 20 where I'm from. So this is about 60 degrees warmer right now. (laughs) So it's like in that moment, like I was hot, I was sweaty. Like I had to take my shirt off, but like take that same temperature into like October coming out of summer. I'm most likely putting on a jacket, a light jacket, uh, some gloves, or something like that because I'm used to like high 90s for the whole summer. So yeah, so obviously it's like your body and what it's used to like is going to affect how much you're sweating.
1: Is all that I'm adding to that. Yeah, exactly, and I even noticed that too. Like living in Arizona, it's it's a lot warmer, obviously, than where you live. But like as even it gets to 70 degrees, I notice my my sweat rate ups a lot, and that's really not that warm. Like it's just like a nice day. But when you've been in like the 50s, and that's only mm-hmm. a 20 degree temperature swing, but it definitely makes a difference until your body acclimatizes to that. And it usually only takes a couple of days, in my opinion, or in my opinion yeah. anyways, but, um, but yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, for sure. I know something that's interesting too, like I'll put this in the, in the show notes as well, but like when I was reading through these papers about like sweat loss and a lot of them talk about cramping because a lot of these studies talk about electrolytes and cramping is that in one of the studies anyways, and it was a fairly small sample size, I don't remember how many people they tested it on, the people that ended up cramping lost a lot more sodium and a little bit of potassium. Whereas like the people that didn't cramp, if I'm remembering it right, they lost around the same amount of potassium, but less sodium. So like people are just different is all I'm getting at. And like, if you really want to stop cramping, it seems like, at least from research that I've seen, that sodium is the most important variable, at least while you're training or racing. Like obviously you need to refill like all the electrolytes, but right. the most important one to prevent cramping is going to be hydration and sodium. Yeah, I agree with that too. So just kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I have oh, there is a guy in Southern Utah that does um, sweat tests, and so I think next time I'm up there, I'm going to get one done, and just figure it out because I'm such a heavy sweater. Where like even my run Saturday, like I know I got a little dehydrated, and that was like my issue, but like I was crusty at the end, in it's high sixties, like. <laughs> That shouldn't like my shorts were just like lined with salt. My hat was lined with salt. Like I was dry and crusty. It's like, man, like what is my salt <laughs> loss? Because I know with precision hydration, they're saying they've had some people go up to to two grams of sodium loss per liter of sweat, which seems insane. But like everybody's just different. And then on the other hand, I've right. had people only drop two hundred milligrams per per liter, which is a huge change. Like obviously, like most people are more in the middle. But like those, like those extremes, and those outliers are pretty insane
0: that's 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 a lot of sodium holy cow
1: yeah two grams two that's a a thousand that's a whole gram per 500 mils in a bottle or something so if you had two handhelds that's two grams of sodium you're drinking every hour probably
0: yeah that's one scoop of relight per bottle
1: Yeah, that's a huge i tried that at a race a few years ago and i felt so dumb because my girlfriend at the time like when we had met she had just ran um i think the silverton alpine marathon and she took in uh-huh. way too much sodium. And I, I just, I had barely met her that day, but she was like kind of sick and like was kind of nauseous from all the sodium. And so we were like, oh, yeah, you probably had too much sodium. And then we started dating. And a year later, here I am at this race and I had way too much sodium. And, I, and she was like, yeah, you probably had too much salt. And I'm like, no, it's not that. And then I spent the whole night puking, <laughs> like no joke, puked and threw up the entire night. My body was just purging all this salt. And then uh, she was like, yeah, you're an idiot. It's because you had too much sodium. And I kind of had to like swallow my pride and be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. If you give advice, you got to take advice. <laughs> That's true. Got to be humble. And it definitely like, it sucked, but it made me realize, okay, like finding the right ratio is crucial as far as right. recovery, but then also just having a proper race and everything. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know. That's another topic I could talk about all day. I love like yeah. sodium and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's um,
0: fascinating
1: and essential. Yeah. So we jump on to the next one then. Yeah. How many more do we got? We got two more. So. Okay. Um. So the second to last one is by Mark. Um. He says really interested interested to hear more about the ratio of carbs to fat and protein. Recently went through my own nightmare with carnivore and now working towards more of a keto diet but still super unaware as an ultra runner, how many carbs I need. Um, so that kind of ties into that first question that we had, but like how many carbs would you recommend for someone who's say is doing keto or carnivore ish, and they're going to run like say a 50 K or a hundred or something.
0: Well, I mean the, the basic macros for somebody who's keto, I think it's um, I think it's like 70 to 80% fat and then 5 to 10% carbs and 10 to 20% protein. But I feel like if you're an athlete then those macros should change. Um maybe a little bit less fat, a little bit more protein and a little bit more carbs. Um and the whole reason the protein level is lower for a true ketogenic diet is just because of the gluconeogenesis and how if you have too much protein your body converts the excess protein into glucose. Um, but again, I feel like if you're a low carb athlete, you don't necessarily, sorry, a low carb athlete who's not trying just to be keto a hundred percent of the time, then I feel like you can prioritize protein more and prioritize carbs more. And so for me, I would say, and again, this like, it's such a hard question to answer because it always fluctuates for me and I'm sure it fluctuates for you. I know it fluctuates for Jeff Browning, for Zach Bitter, for Michelle Hearn, Um, but generically, so let me just share what I do. And so my carb, my carb ranges in terms of grams from about 50 grams to 175 grams in a given day, I'd say that I'm usually in that window, uh, on my rest days, on my easy days, I'm doing more of a 50 gram type thing. Uh, on long run days, on speed work days, on the day before my long run, I'm closer to that 150 to 175 grams, which compared to like a keto diet sounds like a lot. I mean, it's like, what, four or five times the amount of carbs than a, a true keto diet. But when you compare it to like a standard American diet, you're like, you're still well like 400 grams at least below what a standard American diet is. Like, me and Derek saw a dietitian recommend uh, for runners that on a long run day, they consume it with something around like 600 grams of carbs, which is like, I don't even get that much in a week. Um, so yeah. So for me, like, again, it's, it's low for like a standard American. It's still high for a keto diet, but like carbs paired with protein, it's crucial for recovery. It's crucial for report performance. Um, I do believe that you can do well at races if you do a strict keto diet, I don't believe you can do as well as you could if you implement some strategic carbs. Um, so yeah, so I don't know if that answers the question or not, but usually I'm in that 50 to 175 grams. And the more I'm running, the more I'm working out, the harder I'm going, the more I'm closer to the 175 end
1: of that range. Yeah, I think you make a good point that it's very it's situationally dependent. So like I mean to keep in mind too that like the ketogenic diet was made to stop seizures. So right. like, that's why it was built to have the 20 grams or less of carbs a day because that drastically reduced people having seizures. And so like for athletic performance, it can be beneficial, but you're probably not going to perform your best unless you're having more carbohydrates in there. It's not saying you can't do it. Like you can definitely run a 50 K on like zero carbs. Like obviously like you have done it before you've done a hundred on zero carbs, but you're probably going to feel better. And then there are just a ton of data showing that having carbohydrates in your recovery is going to help coupled along with the proteins and fats. So like having that balance there. And it kind of made me think, like, when, when you're saying, like, say you feel like you have an injury coming on or you're super fatigued, do you up your protein content or do you keep it, like, normal, I guess? I up it. Yeah. I, I do the same yeah. thing as well. Like, I try to cut off carbs as as much as I can and add in more fat and protein and, like, um, more just nutrient-dense foods versus kind of just excess carbohydrates, especially if I'm doing, like, I'm tapering or in, like, a, like, say, an easy day, like you were saying.
0: Yeah, back in August when I had like a pretty severe ankle sprain, um, when that happened, like I recovered from that within like three to four weeks. It was just before the Arizona Trail. And I remember when that happened, I basically went to like a carnivore diet with blueberries. And so the reason I only have some blueberries is blueberries have some anti-inflammatory components to them as well which is kind of what my goal was. I wanted to like be as clean as possible so that I could reduce the inflammation that was in my ankle. So yeah. So that's how I do it too. Like I go more meat based, more protein based, a little bit less carbs. And I make sure that the carbs that I eat are
1: something like a blueberry. I do the same thing generally just go like as much meat as possible essentially, but then blueberries and, or tart cherry as well. Cause tart mm-hmm. cherries are like a painkiller slash anti-inflammatory.
0: Yeah. So. Um. What was the other thing that I was going to say? What were you saying? (laughs) I just drew a blank. Um, Um, We're we're talking about carbs. We were talking about. Oh yeah. So like the way that I usually like to uh, compare like this question to, I like to compare it to like a car that's equipped with NOS versus a car that's not equipped with moss, (laughs) moss, moss. Um, (laughs) I mean, you take your generic, like, we'll just say like a a Camaro or a Mustang for people who are Ford fans. Um, You take your generic Camaro or Ford, like Mustang, and you can go decently fast in those things. Um, I mean, we'll just say the speedometer says zero to 140 or whatever. Like, that's a pretty good range. It's pretty fast. It's pretty efficient. Um, And that's kind of like somebody who's keto. Like, I believe that somebody could be really efficient and pretty quick if they do a strict keto diet and I believe they could do well because their baseline of energy is so much higher than somebody that crashes from not being fat adapted. But, you know, if you were to throw on a, some NOS to that car, like that just adds another edge to that thing, to that, to that engine, to that vehicle. And so I believe that the NOS is kind of like the carbs, like You know, if you can be efficient at burning fat and glucose and glucose obviously does give you uh, an edge, it gives you a boost of performance, then why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do that? And from what I've seen in my own testing and the people that I coach, like you can do that and still be very efficient at burning fat. Like, I feel like people are afraid that if they implement carbs, that they're going to like knock themselves out of ketosis, not be a good fat burner, Um, And it's easy to fall into that trap. But I believe that it takes a lot of inconsistency with your diet to really mess up your fat burning.
1: Yeah, and kind of bouncing off that metaphor as well. If you think about it, like, so you have a GeoMetro with NOS on it, then you just have like, say a a stock Mustang, just for the sake of your example, like the GeoMetro with NOS might be able to go the same speed as that Mustang, but then you add NOS to the Mustang and it's like a different level of speed. And so if Mm. you're able to go, Say the same pace burning fat as so and so burning carbohydrates, then you add in those carbohydrates. Just like you're the musting at that point, and you're getting that extra boost. Whereas another person is completely tapped out, and then their recovery is going to be so poor because they're essentially burning NOS the entire time. Whereas if you're just burning like normal fuel and just kind of like all the variables are working together you're not going to have all this damage from like NOS because NOS in the end, I think is very poor for your engine, right? Like I don't know much about vehicles, (laughs) but I'm assuming like if you could just burn NOS all day, every day you would for that extra power boost. But like, I doubt that having your RPMs maxed out is good for an engine. Like I'm not a mechanic. So uh, if there's one in the comments, let me know. But
0: (laughs) I would be, I would guess the same as you. I really like that. That's a good analogy, especially the recovery portion because yeah, like if you're just burning high end all the time, then they're obviously gonna have a harder time recovering from that. But if you just have a higher baseline, like yeah, basically everything you just said, I agree with. That's that's a good analogy.
1: Yeah, because if you can go roll like 630 pace, like on in on a ketogenic diet, like not utilizing carbohydrates essentially, like in fat burning mode. And then yeah. somebody's running 630 pace, taking 90 grams of carbs an hour to accomplish that. They're going to feel like death afterwards as far as their recovery goes versus you just burning fat and like kind of casually cruising.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like that zero calorie 24 hour I did. And obviously, some adrenaline played into this, but my final couple miles at that thing, mile 117 and 118, I was doing like a 620 pace. Mm-hmm. And that was like 23 and a half hours in, no calories, like not alone carbs, but no calories. And so, yeah, like,
1: just again agreeing with you <laughs> yeah that's really interesting though. like I, don't, I think like i wish more people would just i guess i wish that more like professional professional level athletes would try that because i'd just be curious to see like how their recovery would be or even if like something i've been thinking a lot about recently and this kind of relates and is like people to say like eat as much as you can because you're running so much it's like what if you eat mm-hmm. as much as you can but only real food so instead of like eating as many bagels as you can to feel satiated what if you swap those bagels for like fruit and dairy? And so you're still getting just the same amount of calories. Your body's feeling just the same. But instead of having all these inflammatory foods, you're eating real food or more like protein dense and fat dense foods. Like, how would their recovery change? Like, I, yeah, I know. I know it'd be better, but I want someone to try it and do it.
0: Well, and the more we talk about this too, like, the more so, like, when I started the low carb thing, mm-hmm. like, so I guess when I started the low carb thing, it was keto for me. I was like strict keto all the time. I was afraid of carbs, which I think a lot of uh, ketogenic athletes fall into that trap. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like, you know, I had a lot of nutritionists like who hated me and was like saying you need carbs to perform. And I was just like, no, you don't like you can do it on a keto diet, which again, I believe people can make that work. But like, I didn't see the whole picture six years ago when I started. And so now as I I believe I've shifted to a point where I'm just like yeah like carbs are good for you if you're doing the right carbs. And so like, you know, like we were just talking about earlier like me and you were working on making our own real food carb-based gels, um I, I want to call it a gel smoothies. <laughs> uh those like rice banana cake things that you were talking about like mm-hmm. we're we're implementing carbs and we believe carbs are good. Um And now I believe that this is just what I'm seeing and I could be wrong, but as I've seen my paradigm shift from like carbs are bad, carbs are bad to carbs are good if they're the right carbs. I also seen a lot of nutritionists have a paradigm shift where it was like, you need carbs, you need carbs, you need carbs. And now that I'm agreeing with them, now it's just like, you need pop tarts. You need candy. (laughs) You need ice cream. You need bagels. Like, it's like, it's just like, we can't find common ground for some reason. It's like, why, why can't I just fuel my runs with fruits and, and occasional rice balls and honey? Like, why do I have to have pop tarts and bagels? Like, why is that so
1: much better for me? Like, I don't get it. (laughs) That is pretty wild to think about. It's it's like, I just don't see why like, people are like, oh, pop tarts are just so convenient or like donuts are convenient. It's like, well, So is a banana or an apple. Yeah. Like they're just as convenient. You walk into Safeway, you grab it off the shelf and you drink it. Same thing as walking (laughs) to Safeway, going to the bakery, grabbing a donut, putting it in the bag and eating it. Like it's not any more convenient. Like a Pop Tart is not going to sit any better. And plus, like the long term ramifications of eating Pop Tarts and like hyper processed foods every day is just terrible for you.
0: Yeah. And we've already established it's not about convenience. Convenience isn't good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, like in this scenario, yeah, like it's convenient to have a banana, but it's like, if I have to like spend 30 minutes making a smoothie and pouring it into little pouches to take with me on my runs, like, yeah, that's slightly inconvenient, but who cares? Like grow up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, are you going to drive to the running store? Like how long does it take you to buy some gels? 15 minutes. (laughs) It's like, well, yeah, yeah, you could have made real food in the same amount of time, but instead you're just sitting in your car driving. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's,
0: we should be sure to call this episode the rambling episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ramble on. That's pretty much what Ramble it is. Ramble on, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, so
1: this, I, do, I don't know. I just uh, think that, like, I don't know what I was going to say. Just just prioritize real food in the end. And, like, carbohydrates aren't bad. I think, I think what I was going to say was, like, I think it's important to realize that, like, You had that you were kind of stuck in that mindset, but then you you saw new data and you experienced different things and you changed your mindset off of that. You weren't just stuck like I'm always gonna be zero carb or keto. It's like, no, like I can do better and I'll feel better if I change these things about my diet. And I wish everybody would do that because we kind of get stuck in these things like very tribal of like, oh, I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian, and no matter how poor I feel, I'm never gonna change that. It's like, why would you wanna do that? Why would you wanna be so tribalized about something? When you can have a better quality of life or help other people live better lives as well it's like we're all going to be wrong at some point about about something probably many things so it's like if you can just change this one thing it's like okay i admit i was wrong or maybe like i wasn't completely accurate that's okay like i'm wrong about things all the time and i'll admit it um so it's like i don't know i guess all i'm getting is like why wouldn't you want to change based off of new data and how your body's feeling like it just doesn't make any sense
0: Oh, it just goes back to what Michelle said a couple of weeks ago. People, most people have a hard time admitting that they're wrong. Like yeah. she was talking about the dietitians and how like, yeah, I can't remember the question you asked, but yes, they're basically like, is like more evidence supports eating this way? Like, why do you find it that a lot of dietitians have a hard time following that? And she said, because they would have to admit that they were wrong, that they would have to admit that their advice potentially harmed or killed patients. And so I believe like, a lot of these people, I believe a lot of the people, like the reason me and you and a lot of other people I know have no issues like admitting that we were wrong and changing is because we're not on the extreme end of things. Like a keto diet is very close to the extreme end of things, but you also have carnivore diet, which is a tad more extreme. And then you have vegans. And I feel like when you're on the extreme end of things, like a lot of times it becomes more of a, um, we use this term with Michelle, it's like a religion, like veganism is a religion carnivorism is almost a religion. And, you know, you might start noticing negative health benefits eating that way, but you just don't want to admit to your followers that you were wrong. You don't want to admit like the past five years that you were advocating for animal rights. Like you don't want to admit that like all that was a waste. Like it's just, people have a hard time admitting that they're wrong even if they know it's going to benefit them.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of sad. I think a lot of it comes down to one pride. You just don't want to admit you're wrong, like you're saying, but also money too. Like if you build up an influencer base of a million people based Mm -hmm. around being vegan, and suddenly you admit that like I'm eating meat, like you're going to lose a lot of those people and you're probably gonna lose a lot of your income as well. Mm -hmm. So sadly, a lot of people probably feel kind of, maybe they they know they need to change or maybe they have changed. They just don't admit it online. And it's because they need that revenue source. But it's like, oh, it's so, it's sad. Like it honestly, it's, it's really sad.
0: Yeah, maybe my subconscious is protecting me when I made my Instagram handle
1: the low carb runner instead of the keto
0: runner because <laughs> I, I probably would have backed myself into a corner if I labeled myself as the keto runner. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess like Paul Saladino did the same thing though. He's carnivore, he was all 100% into it, carnivore MD. And then what happened? He started adding fruit, and now it's like, oh crap, I'm not necessarily the carnivore doctor anymore, mm-hmm. carnivore doctor 2.0 or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. That's a good example of somebody who was on the extreme end though that was willing to change and and admit that they were that there's a better way to live. I, I don't want to use the term admit that they are wrong. Admit that there is a better way to live.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Right, well, let's jump into our our last and final question because this yeah, is definitely I a rambling of Yeah. <laughs> um so cardiac cardiac output says. Haven't listened to this yet, but did she say how the studies were measuring insulin sensitivity? Like, was that from a glucose glucose tolerance test? And that's referring to Michelle's episode. We were talking about how diet can affect type 2 diabetes and or cure mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes. Um, so after doing some research and stuff, Michelle sent us information, which is also in her book, um, Dietitian's Dilemma. Basically, it's just a blood test. So there's testing glucose levels, but like all the, the studies are showing that you can reverse or basically get off medication by eliminating carbohydrates in a major way. And so like all these people are saying like, oh, you're a type two or type one diabetic, take a, eat a bunch of carbs and just take insulin. It's like, it's kind of insane.
0: But, yeah. And I mean, like using my mom, isn't it? Is it did I cut you off? It sounds no, like no, you no.
1: kind of. No, go ahead. Okay.
0: You cut out for a second. Sorry. <laughs> um, my mom who's a type two diabetic. When she started out, like she did really, really good. Uh, in terms of like how she ate, she kept her carbs to where they were supposed to be. She didn't eat like any desserts or treats or anything like that. And she got to the point where like, she didn't have to take as much. I think she actually got off of insulin. Um, I'll have to call and ask her, but I'm pretty sure she got off of insulin. And like, that just kind of goes along with that. She ate really clean. She cut out the junk. She kept the carbs low and she did that for a year or so. And then because of that, she had to stop. She got to stop taking insulin. And I think to this day, she's still in that, uh, situation. And so again, this is just like the experience that I've seen with my mother, but that just kind of helps back that up in my opinion.
1: Yeah, totally. And I don't know, like Michelle, um, so when we had her on the show, we've talked a lot about like in her book, it is a really interesting book. And she has a whole chapter about like diabetes and low carb diets. And like all the references are there in the book as well. Like there's a ton of references, And they're all to like back studies. And I'm sure like people always find a way to nitpick a study because we did the same thing. But like, just read that book with like an open mind and like, I don't know, see what it's like. And then if you have any questions, like try it. Like, I don't know, like if you're diabetic, try doing a low carb diet, like obviously talk to a doctor about it first because we're not (laughs) doctors here, but like you can probably get off insulin. Like I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody, but like in a lot of cases, it's helped a lot of people. And then you're saving a bunch of money at that point because insulin adds up and it gets expensive. And if you can just eat real food instead and not have to inject yourself multiple times a day, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Because because you're addicted to carbohydrates or something. Like, it's mind-blowing
0: yeah. to me. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that was a good question. Uh, yeah, so I guess long story short, um, it is just a, a blood test, which I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption here, but it's a glucose tolerance test. Um, but she has all those references in her book dietitian's dilemma and I'll add some of the um the papers to the show notes as well.
0: Okay, cool. Perfect. Well, I think we rambled enough on this one. <laughs> uh I do want to throw out there though before we conclude, so me and Derek and I guess hopefully you're okay with me telling everybody this Derek. <laughs> but uh we uh sh- we we have a relationship with Levels Health and they are providing me and Derek each with a continuous glucose monitor. And so that reminds me, actually, I need to send you yours. <laughs> it's, uh, with this snow, dude, I have like no motivation to get out of the house and do anything. <laughs> like I get out and run and then I stay cuddled up in a blanket the rest of the day. <laughs> but I got to get out and send you your monitor. I have it. But so me and Derek are going to wear them. Um, I believe we each have two, which would last for a month each. And so we're just going to track and kind of do a, a food. for those who don't know what a continuous glucose monitor is, it's basically something that you stick in your arm and it just measures your glucose. You hold your phone up to it and it tells you like in the moment what your glucose is. And so we're going to keep a a log about what we're eating, talk about ways that it affects our glucose. Um, And then we're also, we haven't figured out the entire metrics of this yet, but we are going to spend at least a day eating how we used to eat um at least a day we've talked about doing it for 2 or 3 days because i believe that we're not going to see much change in that day uh just because if you're metabolically healthy like you know you can have a one off day of eating junk and you're probably going to be fine at least from what i've seen so we might do it for 2 days we might do it for 3 days we might do it for a week who knows we'll talk about it but we are going to we are going to like take into account like you know the whole pop tarts before a run we're gonna try that at least i'm gonna try that i don't know if derek's gonna try that
1: i'll give it a shot
0: <laughs> you'll give it a shot but yeah, yeah so
1: go ahead I was gonna say, i'll try the eggo waffle pop tarts
0: oh gosh <laughs> i'm a strawberries pop tarts kind of a guy back in the day when i used to eat pop tarts <laughs> but yeah so we're gonna do a lot we're gonna have a lot of fun with that um we're open to hearing your guys' thoughts if you think we should do it for a full week you know let us know if there's certain foods you want us to try to see how it affects our blood sugar let us know um i imagine we'll do two or three episodes solely on the findings um and this is just me talking we haven't really talked about this part yet so i could be talking out of my butt right now i'm sorry (laughs) but anyway yeah we'll probably start wearing those by the end of this week early next week and then we'll start having some fun uh, conversations about what we see so be ready for that
1: yeah and even though like in earlier in this episode i dogged all over that kid took it, who was taking four grams of caffeine um <laughs> and we're not necessarily doing that same thing There is a little bit of like a shock value obviously to this but the main thing is though to see like use the levels monitor to see how our blood sugar changes over time um while eating like how we are now versus how when we eat crap and it's for science and honestly it'll be really interesting to see like how how those things change and maybe they don't change maybe we'll just completely strike out here but um, <laughs> we'll do some like day in the lifetime videos of, like what we eat in a day when we do this yeah. and it'll be entertaining <laughs> but probably also pretty painful for us especially when we go on a long run and uh oh gosh eat a bunch of crap <laughs> maybe i'll just surprise yeah. you with something i'll just i a random treat and you'll have to eat it and you'll do the same thing.
0: <laughs> That'd be fun. I suggest one for you. You suggest one for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. It will just pull it out on a run. It could be anything. Yeah.
0: In honor for, of Ben light, we should do Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos and crumble. Cheetos and crumble. <laughs> and just to like clarify or add to what Derek just said. Yeah. This is strictly how we used to eat. Like we're not going to open a box of pop tarts and see, if we could eat a whole box and see what that does to our blood sugar, like it's just going to go back to how we both were eating before this approach. So, yeah,
1: because both of us had pretty poor diets. Like I remember like, I used to eat like, or have like a rock star and like donuts for breakfast all the time. Like <laughs> I, I never really thought much about it. I'm like, Oh, why do I feel like crap? And it's like, well, yeah, that's why now, now I know. Yep. But, so yeah, it's not like we're just going to be like, Oh, we're going to go to, to whatever uh crispy cream and get two dozen donuts each and eat those and see what <laughs> happens to our blood sugar. It's like, no, just, comparing previous diets to our modern diets and that'd be interesting yeah. yeah
0: yeah so we're excited for that but we'll keep you posted excited and a little leery
1: about it i guess just going so know it's gonna hurt
0: it is gonna hurt i will admit i am slightly excited to try panda express again because i was <laughs> i was seriously doing that four days a week before i ate it this way <laughs>
1: oh the first bite will be good then you'll just be revolted i'm sure but oh yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> totally. Cool. cool. Well, oh, go ahead. I'll let you close since I started.
1: Yeah, we will say we'll wrap it up. Um, if you guys have any comments or questions, whatever, put them down below and we'll answer them. Um, we're going to try to do these once a month as far as like a Q&A episode. And maybe next time we'll be a little less rambly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think we should do a caffeine episode and also a dairy episode. So if you guys would like to hear that, um, leave a comment and ask any questions about that and we'll um, we'll go over it. And there'll be definitely some studies links in the comments or in the show notes, I should say.
0: Okay, perfect. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, give us a follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, also share this. That'll help a lot. Yes, share it. Share it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. <laughs> Later.